How you spend your money is, in many ways, how you spend your life. So how can you generate not just a return on your investments, but a return on life? Welcome to the Own Your Wealth Podcast. Whether you're a working professional, a small business owner, or thinking about retirement, listen in as host Jason Deshays of Cook Wealth discusses tax strategy, financial planning, and more to equip you to live life empowered and truly own your wealth. Welcome and thank you for joining us today for Own Your Wealth with Jason Deshades. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hey there, Jason. Hey there, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Now we have a guest once again today. I love guests. They're so much fun. They are. And it's just no one has to hear me talk the whole time. It's wonderful. <laughs> no comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it that way. <laughs> so who do we have? We have the always amazing Marcy Raider. Uh, Raider Co. She is, I'm going to let her describe kind of what she does because it's very, very powerful. And I don't think I would do her justice. So Marcy, would you mind just telling our listeners a little about what Raider Co. does, the kind of work you do and kind of how you came into that and became a specialist in this space? Sure. We are all about health powered productivity. And what that means is it doesn't matter how many boxes you check if you're staying up all night to do it. We encourage tech life balance. So it doesn't matter, you know, how big you're building your business or how far up the ladder you're climbing if you are looking at your phone during dinner with your family. So we are, you know, all about looking at productivity from a health perspective. But also, I don't even use the term work life balance anymore because really it's more tech life balance. And so we have a combination, we have a very comprehensive suite of consulting, training, speaking, and coaching services to incredible companies like yours. I, we get to see you in just a couple of days, which is very That's exciting. Right. And, and it's things that when you're talking through that kind of stuff, because we've been talking in the profession and I say the wealth management and the tax profession, all about work-life balance and how it's important and we can't all work 80 hours a week during tax season and whatever. And that's the bad thing. The but your point is exactly right. It's not always the, it's the creep now that's happening with technology where yeah, you're sitting there and yeah, you're off. You're not at work, but you're still working. You're still kind of tethered to that thing. And it's also in other parts of business. We've got plenty of clients who are burnt out because they just can't get a release from it and they can make all the money in the world. And that sounds great. Except for if you're absolutely physically miserable and you are exhausted, you're not connected with your family, it doesn't do a whole lick of good, does it? No. And rich to me is money, but wealth is freedom and time. And when we are in an always on culture, for sure, and it's almost any kind of role or business, except for the clock in, clock out kind. And even like my husband, who he's a professional drummer and drum teacher, he it used to be before, you know, when texts cost money, if you remember that, you know, like he wasn't getting text, you know, texts from his students and students' parents and all hours. And now he is. So even somebody that's kind of a clock in, clock out, if he's not in front of the drums, he's not working mm -hmm. type of job, he's still reachable all the time. And we're all reachable. And so what, what we're, what we focus on when we go into companies or we're privately coaching people is, you know, looking at 
all their communication, email, chats, texts, video calls, all of that, their meeting culture, their, you know, how they manage their tasks, how they manage their time, setting up guardrails for that, and also making sure that, okay, you're a boss at prioritizing all of those things. Are you also prioritizing screen-free lunches or, you know, taking a walk and moving your butt throughout the day and getting enough sleep at night? And also, hey, you have a family or you have friends that you need to see too. And it really is the balance with the accountants, especially, you know, another reason why I don't use that terminology work-life balance a lot is because people think it has to be an actual balance and it really Mm -hmm. is more like a teeter-totter. And for tax accountants, you know, you have this bolus of work that you are doing, you know, in the first part of the year, but then, you know, the teeter-totter may go the other way and you might be taking, you know, three weeks off to go away after tax season. Well, it's hibernation. Maybe- you got to get charged back up for the next yeah, round. Exactly. You got to go disappear. And everyone- I like that. Everyone's heard that with their, I mean, I've done it. I know others, uh, plenty of CPs here. Well, yeah, once they hit April 15th, they kind of done for a while. I'll yeah. see them sometime in the summer, maybe. But otherwise, they like the office shuts down. No one's mm-hmm. there. It's like super quiet. Sounds nice after the heartache, but like not necessarily, I, I would imagine, and you are a digital wellness specialist, I, th- mm-hmm. that I imagine that that kind of barbell approach, like most things in life, doesn't really work that great. I don't see it with people. You know, people don't go and say, oh, I spent a million dollars one year and spent nothing for 10. Yeah. Because that wouldn't really be feasible. But you can't also work your tail off, be constantly connected, and then go into the dark for three weeks and then emerge and everything's just fine. Right. No, because those micro stressors that are occurring in busier times. So forget tax. I mean, maybe you're an audit, you know, like audits at anything like that that you're doing where you're spending an incredible amount of time on work in a short period of time, you are, the micro stressors are building up and those come from, you know, notifications all the way from your phone to your email, to your chats, texts, and so on. Um, People interrupting you a lot. So like things coming in, not just rings, pings, buzzes, but even just like getting yet another task and then another task and then another task. Oh, and then your, you know, your spouse calls and then, you know, you have to go pick your kid up at school. So like, it's so many little things that we don't realize add up. And those are called micro stressors. And those start to affect us in, in a chronic way over time. So when we have these really, you know, these periods where things are full of all these micro stressors, they don't just go away with the vacation. It's like saying that, you know, I've had high blood pressure for two years and all of a sudden, you know, or or I started exercising and I've been exercising for three weeks. Your high blood pressure doesn't just go away. It takes time for your, yeah, it's true. What? It's true. And it takes time for your body and also your brain to acclimate. And I've actually worked with clients in with personal coaching that they are so used to being overwhelmed and overtasked and just stressed that when we're able to put some guardrails in place around their time, energy, and focus, and maybe put, and not maybe, but put systems and behaviors in place where they actually have some time, it makes them nervous at first because they're so used to that stressed feeling and that adrenaline, good or bad, 
that it's actually hard for the, it takes practice for them to relax and actually like leave their job at five o'clock or not look at their email at night because it's become this habit and this behavior over time. It I, I've lived that. So when we sold the mm -hmm. practice back in New Mexico, back in 2017, we did it on Valentine's Day. And so I was kind of free from tax season that immediately. And we went to San Diego with my wife and my two sons. And we just did it for like a weekend or four days. I had a panic attack because I was doing it like on March 15th. And I was like, I'm supposed to be doing something. Why am I not? Like I, I had this like expectation that I had to keep up the pace. And I was like, I can't go back. Because if I do, I'll, I'll, I'll freak out about stuff. Mm -hmm. It was such a weird experience, but it was a completely irrational, completely out of the blue. I mean, I was like, oh, we had a great time. And then until we're like about to pack up and I'm like twitching out a little bit. And yeah. and so a lot of the, you know, I kind of take that one step further is that we help a lot of people prepare for retirement. And so they, you know, a lot of people ask, well, do I have enough money? And that's actually probably the worst question. The question is, what are you going to do? And I would imagine kind of taking what you just said, how do you kind of contextualize that for people who are about to leave that working world where they have been constantly connected and overworked and overtasked and high-performing people than the exterior view, and they transition to a world where they have nowhere to go, per se? Mm -hmm. What kind of things do you see in that? I've actually worked with a couple of people who were moving into retirement, and they had what they were afraid that would happen is they had either family members or friends that they retired and they just didn't do anything. They said they were going to do all this stuff and they didn't do anything. And, you know, that saying, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. You know, when you have all that time, it actually is harder for you to get motivated and inspired to, you know, build your deck or finally organize your photos or, you know, I... I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that said that they wanted to volunteer after they retired, but then because they didn't have something set up before they retired, mm -hmm. they just got into this groove and then they never did it. And so it's instead of going like I'm full speed ahead on Friday and on Monday, I'm completely retired and there's nothing mm -hmm. there having some kind of transition, some yeah, kind of transition. We've talked to people about that as almost giving retirement a trial run. Like instead of yeah. going from, like you said, zero or 60 to zero, go to 30. I mean, yes. I know when I'm driving in the freeway. If I go from 80 miles an hour and then suddenly there's a, a stall out on the freeway, I have to go down to zero or 10. I'm like, oh man, it was like a jarring transition. It's like, go part-time, start getting out of certain roles. So then someone else takes it up. Like you said, go find the board or the place yeah. you're going to volunteer and actually start going now so that when now you have twice as much time, you can say, oh, I'll do two days a week versus just one. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, I think you're right on with that is that people kind of stop and then they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. And then I've always heard people go, well, if I stop working, I'll die. Because that's mm -hmm. what happened to my dad or that's what happened yeah. to so-and-so. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. So just don't stop working, like transit, like phase out, like, yeah. go slowly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't rush through it. And I wanted to ask, you know, it's so fascinating to me what you're talking about with the fact that if you don't have enough to do, why do you think it is that you just do nothing and then you're inclined to just keep doing nothing? When we are 
getting communicated with all the time, especially like if you're in a leadership role and you're ring pinged and buzzed all day, we feel valued. We may complain about that, but we feel important and we feel valued and people need us and people want us. And when all of a sudden, like Jason, when you walked out on February 15th and now nobody needs you or wants you or you're like, I'm I mean, done with you, go, go, your family, you know, but it doesn't fulfill the same purpose as somebody like in a work capacity that I sometimes think it's part of that internal motivation, you know, that nobody's asking you to do something, nobody's needing you. And then you, it kind of can put you into this funk, you know, like, and so it's that, that, that people are expecting you and counting on you that can, you know, kind of drives you throughout the day. And, you know, when you leave your job, you don't have that motivation anymore. It just makes me wonder, are we all inherently lazy then? We just really want to lay around all day and do nothing until we're no. not to. <laughs> no, no, because like I can't stand to sit around all day. I, I'm just not I'm just not lazy like that. And I'm not I, saying that people that don't do like that don't do something are lazy. It's not that at all. Um, I think it just a lot of times it becomes habit. If you like when people move into a new house. Any of my clients that have moved into a new house or when people move into a new office, they'll think about going into it with this mindset, like I'm going to get everything figured out and then I'm going to start my new habits. And it's like, no, you need to start it right from the first day because you're already going to get into a groove and it's easier to start a brand new habit than to relearn an old habit. And if you want to cook meals in your new house, then you need and not eat out as much, then don't, don't order out every night for the first week because now it's a habit. You know, if you go through the driveway, the first two nights from your new office in our drive-through, I'm sorry, the first night, then that's going to become your habit. If you don't start taking your lunch screen free or something the first week that you start your job, then you're going to have to relearn the habit. So it's more just that we get into this, into the habit and behavior. And well, that, you know, when you run you always the road, have, right? Yeah. Like, and you always have habits and behaviors that you wish you hadn't. Well, I, and I will say like, this is a pro tip that Marcy shared with me during some of the coaching she's given me. It's like, sometimes you just have to break it, right? And it's like, okay, I got I to get better at this. Well, sometimes you just need a hard break. And she worked with mm -hmm. me on my inbox. In, inbox for me, I believe I've used the term an inbox dumpster fire, where it's like yes. things just would go there and land and they would it would stay there forever. And I was like, well, I've got a system. Smoldering. Yeah, it's smoldering fire. There's 80,000 folders. I was like, yeah, I put it on very logical. You know, I know where everything is. And it was like, no, just move it all in there. Because if you hadn't done it at this point, you ain't going to do anything with it anyway. And just get rid of it. And that was the most freeing thing. To just, okay, I'm starting now. And it has held up. Now, maybe not the last week, but I'm working through it. And I've got time to process. And it's, so I've got my, like, you know, stuff working. But it's like, okay, I am now realigned. I now have intention. My intention is focused on doing this thing well. But I have to take, keep going forward. I can't just, like, decide I'll do it later. Because it'll never happen then. Everyone wants to get healthy later until you start getting healthy now. Now, 
so Marcy, on some of this, like we, you know, we talked about retirement. We've talked about kind of the the individual kind of stuff. So let's talk about how business owners can have not just responsibility, but like can have the privilege of helping people, their employees, work their way into a healthier kind of sense of productivity in their companies. What are some tips you can give some of our listeners about things you coach folks on and how to improve their employees' lives? Some employees aren't going to, employers aren't going to like what I'm going to say right now. Uh-oh. Yeah. Drama. Ready. Yes. <laughs> a lot of companies will give wellness benefits, whether it's like a meditation app or a gym membership or, you know, something else. And, you know, to help an employee's self-care. But I, I would rather than, I mean, those are great benefits. I would rather them focus on why their employees need those meditation apps and things to begin with. And it's because they are often overworked and overloaded and overtasked and overcommunicated with. And so the preference would be to look upstream. How can we help, you know, how can we truly make our processes more efficient? What kind of system or tool can we put into place to automate something or to, you know, to get rid of something? Because then the, the fixing of their overwork or burnout is not just the responsibility of the employee who is already tired and now they have to find time to fit in all this self-care. Oh yeah, I gotta, and, go, I gotta work out because that's how I get paid is if I work out 10 times a month, I don't really have time to do 10 times a month. So I guess I won't do it. And then I'm not gonna yeah. get any better. I'm super stressed now because I have this thing I can't do. Yeah, because I'm overdone and they're tired. Over yeah. yeah, I mean, and you know, it's, you know, I'm having to put in 10 hour days because we're under-resourced and that doesn't leave me. And now I'm also supposed to exercise. And now I'm also supposed to meditate for 10 minutes or whatever. And so, you know, looking at upstream as much as you can and automating, talking about, talking with your employees about their processes and really thinking through those because in almost every company I've ever, not almost every company I've ever worked with, there have been bottlenecks that people just overlook and it's easy for me coming in from the outside because I'm like why are two people emailing this same thing you know did you and get your like, TPS oh, report did you get the yeah. you remember about the TPS report yes yeah. yes why are like six people getting this and so on and, and why are you still getting this and and it just becomes a habit that we do that we do things every day and so continually looking at our process who's involved you know, are there bottlenecks? And at Raider Co, and I actually have a podcast about this called Embrace the Bottlenecks. We, you know, people don't like to use that word. We love that word because, and we have it as part, um, we had it as part of our weekly meeting for almost a year. Now we don't need to because we hardly ever have bottlenecks. We just kind of review quarterly. You embrace them so much, you hugged it out. Literally. We hugged it out. You hugged it out, we hugged baby. It out because we, if you use it as a positive thing and you ask people every week, did you encounter a bottleneck? Who was it? And then it just becomes your norm to talk about. Mm -hmm. People aren't afraid to talk about it. And I made it like when people would call me out as the bottleneck, it was like bonus points. 
and they would call themselves out. They'd say like, yeah. I was the bottleneck this week when blah, blah, blah happened. And it just became, it, it's not a dirty word. It just became like, oh yeah, here's a bottleneck. Here's what, and then people went looking for them. And, you know, I don't think that enough companies make their employees and team members feel empowered enough to use them, find them, and try to find solutions for them um, in order to help reduce some of that stress that they're feeling. Well, what you're talking about is like a culture of accountability. And it's like, hey, we're all accountable to each other, what we're trying to accomplish for our customers. One of the things I've seen is, at least in the professional world, you know, this is lawyers and doctors and dentists and accountants and financial mm -hmm. advisors is that they, you know, they praise martyrdom, which is where they're like, okay, well, I work so hard. I'm here yes. all the time. I've given up weekends and family trips and, you know, this kind of thing. I'm here till the, you know, the dawn rises. And it's created this like, well, we don't want to support that because that's, that is a bottleneck in itself. Because if it requires that you are the person who has to take over this and the only way it's going to go over the finish line is if you do it. That's a huge problem. And frankly, no one wants to work for that. I don't mm -hmm. think anyone, I mean, as a business owner, if you kind of look at and say, hey, what kind of culture am I producing for my team? I don't know anyone who goes, you know what? We're a hardworking culture. We work all hours of the night. We get the job done. Sounds like admirable until you're like, yeah, everyone's exhausted and mm -hmm. burnt, crispy fried and then you got to figure out the solution. Sometimes it's technology, which, you know, you got to be careful about that too. But like, it, sometimes it's just right sized people. You make sure you actually staff appropriately, which is a concept. And now, especially it's hard to find good people, but it always has been. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. the current demographics of things. It's still, you got to find the right team. You got to find the right, enough right people in the, in the right seats. And that's how yeah. it works. Yeah. I, um, I used to be a martyr. Myself, I worked in a culture. I used to travel 48 weeks a year. I was a <sighs> clinical research monitor and we would wear the busy badge. We wore that badge so proud and it was nothing but competing against who was traveling the most, who got in the latest, who, how many visits did you do that month? It was really sick when, you know, when I look back on it, it was really sick the way and anytime I had a day off, I made sure that people knew that it was because I worked nine days straight or something, you know, like it was just this culture of who can do more. Mm -hmm. And while it completely wrecked me in my thirties, I triggered Hashimoto's disease and all sorts of other health issues. And, but that busy badge, we wear it so proudly. And, you know, when people ask you, you know, like, Hey, how's things going? A lot of times it's like busy. Oh, so busy. And that mm -hmm. makes us feel good. And I've always said, there's only one person that I know that no matter like for 10 years, whenever I've asked him like, Hey, how's it going, Jeff? He's always answered with something fun in his life. He's never started it with, Oh, I'm so busy. Like he's, he, it's always something personal and not work related. So one of the things that I do at like networking events or when I meet new people is it completely throws people off guard because I'll say, what do you do for fun? And I make that little pause, you know, like, like a little pause. And then people have to really think about it. 
Well, because they thought you were going to say work. Yeah, yeah. Like what? And do you then do? so they're and ready like, to say I blog, yeah, you know. And then not. you're like, wait, I have to pause. And reset yeah. my brain. But so they reset their brain because I'm asking for fun. But then also sometimes they have to think about it. And then they'll say, sometimes people say things like, well, my kids are really involved in soccer. I'm like, that's not fun. Like, that's not your fun. <laughs> unless, unless it's so fun for you to watch their games or something. And yes. you just love it. Then maybe that's your fun. And you'll just hate it when they're, you know, too old to play or something. But people say like, oh, I love to garden. And I, I garden for fun. I'm like, oh, how often do you do it? blank stare there. And then it like, gets like, Oh, never. I haven't gardened for two years. And I have to be careful with that question now sometimes, because when I first, first started using it, it actually made some people feel bad because what they realized was like, Oh my God, I don't do anything fun in my life. Yeah. You, you make them like the Debbie Downer kind of thing. Like, well, yeah, I mean, but, it like made them look, be introspective. But it's um, true but, though. It's yeah. true. You have to ask those questions because like when it comes to if people work all the time and they don't have anything to go to, they almost have no reason to not just keep working. Yeah. And so whether they're playing on retirement, whether they have life changes that happen, like what's important? Like is it, you know, my wife used to have a, she was full-time in this industry too. And then she went to nursing school and we had kids and it's like, she's not working as a nurse right now, but because she had thought out, this is important to me. And this, my family is important to me. And I want to be able to provide a certain degree of like care for them that I can't do if I'm doing 12 to 14 hour shifts at the hospital. And a lot of people don't think about that stuff. They don't, they're like, well, I'm, I'm trained to just work and be busy. I'm trained to make money. I'm trained to do a certain thing. I haven't really thought it out. And I think getting people, and I, I love that you kind of disarm them a little bit because, yeah, everyone falls into the same thing. I'm a, I'm a CPA, I'm a CEO of this thing. It's, it becomes this memorized spiel that comes out. But when you get down to it, I mean, honestly, if you'd asked me that, I'd probably be like, I, I really like my griddle now. But had you asked me like a month and a half ago, I'd be like, I, I would have had the same pause. I'm like, I do have fun things, but I couldn't tell you quickly. And that is a little alarming. So I better work on that. So it's, I just think that's really neat that you kind of have that disarming, but still very personal question mm -hmm. that leads into what is about this person that's, that's them, not what they do, not that. But, and I'm sure you've also gotten some really interesting answers too. What oh, would you yeah. say the most interesting thing someone says they've done for fun from when you've asked these questions? Oh gosh. One, oh, this was about three years ago, this guy like got this really strange look on his face. I think he was kind of testing me. Like, is she safe to say this to you? Uh -oh. And then he said, I do drag about once a month. And that led to like, we talked for 45 <laughs> minutes. I was like, that is the best. Yeah. But he kind of looked at me. He's like, Hmm, should I tell like, how's she going to take that? I, uh, that was fun. That was fun. That is awesome. And I think a fun way to end this episode. So, <laughs> All right. Marcy, I very much appreciate your insight and your knowledge and your specialization in this. It's a, You do amazing work for people and companies. And so if one of our listeners wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Hello, RaiderCo.com. Hello, RaiderCo.com. Perfect. Yes. And I'm also on LinkedIn, Marcy Raider. I'm LinkedIn only. That's my only social media channel. 
And because you like to unplug. Because, uh, yes, I have good tech life guardrails. <laughs> yes. But you got to have them if you're going to teach people how to have them, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, Jason, how can people get in touch with you? Well, then go to our website, cookwealth.com, or call our office, 919-784-9100. Thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Own Your Wealth podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at cookwealth.com or give us a call at 919-784-9100. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Cook Wealth Management Group, LLC is a registered investment advisor with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Cook Wealth Management Group, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.